look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How you doing, buddy? Well, you know what, my friend? Uh, I don't know where you got your haircutting skills, but Ooh. your hair looks fantastic. I've never had more hair since I was 18 years old. I am, I'm ready to get a haircut. I was going to have some fun with this and grow it out. I'm past fun now. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was past yeah. fun last week. Uh, <laughs> Uh, my girlfriend came and said, you know what? That hair looks like crap. You look like Sonic the Hedgehog, <laughs> is what she said. So she, she puts me in the backyard. All the neighbors can see me getting shaved on my head. I, look, go to, our, go to our, if you want to actually see how bad this hairdo is, go to our uh, Facebook and, and uh, LinkedIn pages of Popwitch Carmelli Advisor Group, and you're going to see how bad this hairdo is. No, yours is pretty good. Yeah, it's aerodynamic. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Well, that's right. Certainly in comparison. Mine, I, I've got Jack Nicholson in The Shining going in the morning, right? It is just, <laughs> wow, my kids are terrified. Uh, anyways, um, maybe that's a good segue into, uh, well, certainly what we're going to talk about uh, maybe in the markets. Uh, I'll come back to that statement in a minute. But let's talk. we got a really interesting show today and a really good guest. Correct. So one of the most common questions we're being asked um, is how do we pay? For all of this stuff that's going on, everything. That's like, going if you on. look at the amount of money being thrown out by the government, yeah, and we we can debate if it's warranted or not. That's that's not the point. Okay. It's done. Yeah. It's the, the the decision has been made, but we haven't got a single response of how much is it. Yep, and, and we have no what idea. What are we going to do about it? And then how we're we going to pay for it? Right. Right. And so we need to discuss this. This is something that is going to affect us maybe in the short term or over the long term. Or probably both. Or probably both. And what are some of the tools that we can use to pay right. this thing down? Right. right. So, and who's paying for it? Right. Taxes yeah. come up in every question and speculation. Anyways, uh, Michelle Rumpelgarner is going to join us um, um, a little later in the show. And she's, of course, a uh, member of parliament, PC um, Calgary, Nose Hill. Um, before we get to that, though, mm-hmm. so let's talk a little bit about the markets. Yeah. Okay. Um, because it's it's interesting uh, the kinds of things that are being report like that you're talking about when you're reporting on the news and what people are talking about yeah. now. And what Versus are they? two weeks ago. Yeah. So two weeks ago, headlines: COVID, COVID, COVID. Right. In fact, you and I were having a hard time. Like, what stories do you pull? Because it's all COVID. It's all COVID related. related. So right. now we're hearing vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. Okay, that that's coming in and out a bit. Yep. A bunch of vaccine opportunities have been dropped out by the FDA and stuff like that. So th- those are the the stories. But what's really hitting the front page? Let's yep. call it. What's new? What's new? It's the same old stuff. Oh, it's the old stuff is yeah, new. Yeah, we're going back to politics. <laughs> and we're trade wars. U.S. and China. Yeah. And no pipeline. Right. Because Biden has to open up his mouth and say, if I get elected. Yeah. I'm going to rip it up. Yeah. First get elected, dude. <laughs> that, that's what you're going to run on in the United States? Do you think the Americans really care about Keystone? Yeah, that who, was the one? Who knows? Who knows? Right, like so, so, it impacts us. Even though you're going for election in the United States, right? The, the 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 key thing behind this is that there's a big change happening this week in the news, and it's going back to the old norm, the old norm of politics, U.S. China trade issues, right? Um, the whole protesting in Hong Kong that happened, and how the Chinese government wants to deal with that, and China comes out and says we're not going to give you our forecast, right? Of our economy. Our GDP, yeah. And that, that scared the oil market on Friday. First time since 1990, right? Mm-hmm. They don't do that. They, yeah. 
Right. And it's it's interesting that you're such a big powerhouse that you would refuse to do that. Right. And if you don't know, just say you don't know, but we think right. it could be somewhere around. That's that's interesting move that they're making. Um, and, and so now we're getting back to the politics. We're getting back to other things externally that can impact the market, not just the virus. Right. What it does do, it, it brings us back to somewhat of a normal conversation that we've had prior to COVID. What it doesn't do is help us forget about COVID because that's still the issue. Well, because we're still living COVID. Yeah. Right? You're still living it. And we're going to be living it for a while. So that tells me, welcome to volatility. Yeah. It, it does raise that question, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, it just adds on. There's another layer. Well, it's just bringing back a bunch of layers yeah. that were put on the shelf for a little while, yeah. adding it on top. But let's face it. We're marching to that November election in the United States pretty fast now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they have to start oh, yeah. and, and getting down that road. So it's going to be more political. Um, and, and the current polls <laughs> polls mm-hmm. are saying that Biden's in the lead. Mm-hmm. We know how polls can be yep. <laughs> skewed and so forth. But the best indicator is the markets. The best indicator is if the markets three months prior to the election mm-hmm. start to tank, mm-hmm. there's going to be a rapid change of the incumbent. If they start to fall, you're saying. Yeah. If they start to fall. And heavily, so greater than okay. 10%. Right. Then the incumbent's at risk. You're saying historical data. Historical data. This. Yeah. So forget the polls. Look at the real poll, which is the market. Right. And the market will tell you what, what they think is going to happen. Sure. Um, and, you know, again, it's been so polarized in the United States, and Trump has made it such a big uh, piece of his uh, presidency, the markets mm-hmm. and the economy that it's probably you know that particular piece of yeah. historical data probably even more heightened yeah right okay fair enough so we're back to to talking about all this stuff now is is it good or bad is it a distraction from covid um because we're living it is is it a positive distraction if it's a distraction it I mean, ma- the markets have been it still- makes economists and speculators in the market become not distracted, but have more things on their plate they have to think about now. Okay. Because we were all watching the curve. Right. We were all watching the vaccine releases. Right. We were all seeing if, you know, whatever the CDC says will work. And now you're adding another layer of trade tensions, protests, so on and so forth. So this is now another piece that you have to put on your plate and deal with as you start to forecast the future. And that becomes more challenging because now you've got more variables in your analysis. Yeah. And so when any um, economist is coming out now and does not take into account the trade relations, does not take into account things that are not COVID-specific, right. then I, I query their, their, their analysis mm-hmm. on are they looking at the total picture. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that that ever got from an uh, economist perspective. It was shelved. It wasn't talked about, right? It was in the background. Yeah. And if you think about... You know, if you think about it, if your comment is correct, and I believe it to be correct, that the new normal is what we're talking about in, in the, you know, before COVID, we still have those issues there, Yeah. right? So has the thesis sort of changed? I want to talk about it. We're going to talk about in, in the fourth segment today, structure, Yeah. right? A little bit about given this, how do you structure and build strategy in an environment, right? So it's really interesting to think about this. Did that disappear? Did the stuff pre-COVID disappear during COVID? No, it got shelved. It just wasn't talked about because there was something more urgent, right, and immediate. So, anyways, I think that that will be fun, um, and it is interesting to 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 
academically work through that. Scary, for sure. Lots mm-hmm. of uncertainty. Volatility is a key word, and I think you're right about that. Any other headlines that sort of caught your attention this week from a market or economics perspective mm-hmm. um, you know, that you, that you felt was noteworthy? Yeah, this is an aha moment. More and more companies are saying, you don't have to come back to work. Mm. We can keep you from, at home. And many of the tech companies have been the ones most vocal sure. about this. Yeah. But the Get Back to Work program, some of these states are well ahead of where we are in Alberta. Right. And yet companies are saying, you don't have to come to work. Right. In fact, we're going to look at a different footprint for our business. That's right. So that's interesting. The aha moment is, what's the rippling effect if that continues? Right. Well, what you're starting to see is what the speculation was indicating at the beginning, that this this might have a permanent change in certain Mm -hmm. areas, right? And one of the areas that, you're right, being reported this week is... How do we reconfigure office space? And from a tech perspective, how do we have most of our people distributed working at home? Correct. I'm interested to know what the human impact of that's going to be. We can do it from a business perspective, but you and I talk about the, the, the ability to get together Correct. and talk about ideas and feed off energy. Which is a great point, Dave, because there are companies now that are saying they're having their, you know, we used to have a cocktail hour, go to yeah. a happy hour and have yeah. a, they're having a happy hour on their own, in their own homes right. with their staff. Right. But there, there, there's so many different uh, like, like a Zoom session, and there's yeah. an online yeah. happy hour. Yeah. So stop working. We all connect, chat, talk about our lives, and so forth. It's different when you have 26 people in squares looking at you. Yeah. yeah. Than if you're at 26 people around a table and you can talk to a couple at a time and right. really get connected. So that's going to be interesting to see. But companies are acknowledging this. Yep. And they're saying we got to do something about it. So let's let's have our happy hour. In fact, some of these companies in the states are. Haven't heard anything in Canada yet, but in the states are sending alcohol to their staff for happy hour. Yeah, uh, so I might be old school on this pal. I'm going to be interested to see how it works. I like actually the company of people for real, not really? just a screen. Yeah, I know that's hard to believe. Sometimes hard to believe. Hard like, to believe. Like you're a Grinch. Yeah, like you don't like that kind of stuff. I accept that it's going to change, <laughs> right? But I think it's going to be a hybrid. Yeah. I don't think people like being isolated. I don't think they, I, most of I them like working right. at home. Yeah, I think you're right. Even right. if you can say you miss people, <laughs> the rest of the world says they miss people. So, so let's uh, before we sign off on this and get to Michelle Rempel, uh, let's talk about our upcoming seminar. Yeah, we're going to discuss how this entire change of COVID is going to impact not only the economy, but your portfolios. So how do you profit and protect and make sure you have income for the rest of your life on Tuesday, June 16th, 7 p.m., live online for our webinar you need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Stick around after the break. Have we done enough to support the Canadian economy and ensure it's still here when we all start going back to work? Here on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Uh, you know, Faisal, there has been so much um, change, so many things that have been done to address the COVID uh, crisis, the pandemic, the shutting down of the economy. Yep. Um, you know, there's things people agree with. There's things they disagree with. It's always good to get uh, both sides. And I think we want to we want to um, do a bit of a summary here. Let's get caught up on what in the heck have we got in place to support this economy. And then I want to encourage everybody to stick around for the next segment because you know the question that we get the most often is how the heck are we going to pay for all this? Correct. Right. So stick around for that. But to help us understand a little bit about where we are today. And the kinds of, uh, of impacts we're going to see on the economy. We've got uh, Michelle Rempel Garner, who is a member of Parliament, PC Calgary Nose Hill. Michelle, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, 
so let's maybe just just start with an open-ended question. I'd love to get your take, and, and we can poke holes in it in a minute, but I want to understand from, from your perspective, the conservative perspective, what's in place right now um, to support the economy, given all of the changes that have been caused by, you know, by the COVID and our decisions collectively to shut down the economy on a temporary basis. Sure. So there's a wide variety of different programming to uh, provide emergency short-term support to individuals, uh, different civil society organizations, and businesses, both large and small. And um, those those emergency supports, like they didn't all come out at the same time. They've been launched at different times. Some uh, people are just starting to apply for them. And uh, they've been subject to change over the last few weeks and tweaking as mm-hmm. those different requirements have come out. So, I mean, in terms of, you know, you and I could have a two-hour segment on going through <laughs> all of the different programs. Yeah, that's not the goal, um, yeah. Um, just for, for people who are in Calgary, um, my website does have an aggregation of all of the different programming that is available at different levels of government. Um, and then I also encourage people, regardless of why they're applying, if they're having difficulty finding that information to contact one of their local elected representatives, be it provincial or or federal. But there is a lot of support out there. The other thing I'll say, too, is that um, we have been actively working to to change and strengthen some of the eligibility criteria on some of these programs as gaps have been identified. So if people are uh, have concerns, it's very helpful for for us as legislators to know what that is so that we can um, address that. That said, we are coming to a point where that emergency period, this this first, you know, wave of, of, of isolation, that's starting to come to an end with the economy reopening. And now we really need to be turning our focus as legislators to how we allow the economy to grow and rebound, mm-hmm. given the crisis that we just went through. So, Michelle, I, I know we have the, the luxury of hindsight right now, and I know that the Conservative uh, Party was really getting involved with some of the different ideas that were, were being pushed out there before anything was announced by the current administration. So looking back, what could the what, what could have we done differently that might have helped or secured uh, many Canadians who are either out of a business or out of a job or in any format whatsoever? You know, the, the word that popped into my head when you were talking about that is just uncertainty, right? Um, I think that uh, looking back, part of the challenge was that we didn't enact the lockdown measures as quickly as I think people would have liked. So, for example, you know, we were pushing in the House of Commons for the government to undertake border measures in February, and that didn't happen until late March. So I, I think that there will be time, at, for, for, and rightly so, for introspection on what could have been done to perhaps shorten the lockdown. Um, and then it, it's really been tweaking these programs as they're coming forward to make sure that they're, they're reaching all aspects of society that have been impacted by the government saying, hey, you can't go about your daily lives the way that you were. What I've been concerned about since the end of March, um, even when we were in the middle of this, is how, the question of how do we safely reopen the economy. And mm-hmm. many provincial governments have put forward plans. You know, Alberta, we're in the middle of that right now. Um, but there needs to be stability and less uncertainty, right? So what we're, I think you're going to see a lot of legislators to focus their attention on now is very clear and predictable f- frameworks for issues like the border, for example, right? We know that the border took a long time to shut down. 
um, we want to make sure that there are clear criteria in place that people understand what has to be in place in order to securely, let's say, reopen the border at, at some safe period of time. And that's important for, let's say, the tourism industry to be making um, assumptions on how they're planning their, their, their businesses. And the same goes for virtually any other sector of the economy. So I know that this is a really high-level conversation, but like we, the reality is, is that I, th- I think the objective with the first round of lockdowns was to flatten the curve. And it could be argued that at this point in time, the curve has been flattened. Now we need to keep it that way. We need to make things safe, but we, we can't just be relying on lockdown um, for months and months at a time. It's just not, we're going to have compliance issues. People are just not going to support that. So we need to be looking at other ways to keep people safe. And that's what we started to talk about at the end of March. So it's a big issue, um, but certainly what, what's going on right now with all of these sort supports and programs, uh, you know, it's not sustainable in the long term. Mm-hmm. So when you look at um, what the what the PC party was pushing for during the whole crisis, especially in the middle of it, what were some of the things that you were your your party was suggesting that wasn't taken on by the government that maybe could have made a difference? Well, we were the ones that advocated for changes to the eligibility around the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit or the CERB. Same thing with the wage subsidy. Um, even right now, as they're looking at um, support or credit facilities for, for larger companies, I'm, I, I serve as the vice chair for the Standing Committee on Industry and as the shadow minister for industry. So, you know, I'm actively even today just saying, look, um, the, the terms of this aren't clear. Why is the government picking uh, who is eligible for this and, and reviewing these applications? Why isn't it being arm's length? And we've been doing that level of questioning on virtually every program. So um, what I've been trying to do for my constituents is track that process. So again, like on my website, I've got uh, you know a list of questions that we've been asking the government. It's, I think it's up to 40 pages now wow. uh, on those eligibility criteria, the answers that we've got. Um, but really, again, like and not to belabor the point, we now, like this has been several months, um, we now need to start talking about what happens next and what does the economy look like in three, a three or four month period because there's been a lot of disruption that we can't even forecast what the impact is going to be. So as much as we're looking at the support and the structure of these temporary support measures, we also have to be looking at like, okay, well, how, how are we going to recover? How are people going to get back to work in a safe way? And this is where my party and myself specifically you know, at the end of March, I released a document saying, OK, well, we need to be increasing t- capacity for testing. Uh, we need to be looking at st- uh, standards uh, for sanitation and personal protective equipment in different industries. And it's those measures that are going to allow us to keep the population safe, but also to learn more about what this virus actually does and make decisions based on science and, and not just guessing and and also um, return return the economy to a level of growth that is uh, sustainable for the needs of the people of Canada. Yeah. Okay, Michelle, we're gonna we're gonna have to take a quick break here, but I want to encourage everybody to stick around because after the break, we want to talk about you know how are we gonna pay for all this. Correct, Faisal. We got to yep. keep the economy alive. We've got budgetary par- the parliamentary budgetary department talking about massive deficits. How do we pay for this? That's the number one question that we get asked. Now, before we uh, take a break. We've got to remind everybody about our upcoming webinar. Yeah, so we're going to talk about, you know, how does this entire economic situation, how do you invest in that, how do you profit and protect, how do you make sure that you have income 
for the rest of your life in retirement. And that's going to be on Tuesday, June 16th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register, though. So go to More Than Money Radio. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Stick around and figure out how we pay for all of this. You're on 770 CHQR in More Than Money. Welcome back here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, Faisal, last segment, of course, we're talking about uh, all of the programs, and uh, we're joined by uh, Michelle Rumpel Gardner, who's helping us understand those. And she rightfully said, "There's so many that you know we can't go through it." Her website's got yeah. a full list of all these things. That's great. You know what's been interesting in this whole last week or two is that we've had numerous people ask the finance minister, "How much debt do we have? Yeah, right. How are we going to pay for this? Yeah. What's the what's the overall risk to the economy? Will we get downgraded in our debt rating? Right. That will raise the interest costs that we have to pay in the future. All these concerns are coming up. So how do we do this? How do we do that? So we're uh, we're continuing to be joined by uh, Michelle Rumpel Garner. She's member of Parliament, PC Calgary, Nose Hill. Michelle, thanks for sticking around. Let's let's tackle that question a little bit. So you know, you made the comment on the last segment that we're at the pro- we're at the point now where maybe those immediate uh, that lockdown has accomplished its goal. We got to keep that curve flat, and it's time to start trying to safely reopen the economy. And we're going to do that and get the economy going again. But we're going to be left with. Um, a significant amount of debt as a result of the actions taken by the government to support the economy through this. So um, can you give us a sense, first of all, of where you think the uh, the debt stands, um, you know, from all the various programs? And then let's talk about what do you think needs to be done? Well, we don't know. That's part of the problem. So Parliament is suspended. And uh, in spite of us asking questions, right. we haven't been getting any figures from the government. And it's not just us as the opposition reporters aren't getting this either. Um, we have been calling on the government to release these figures. Uh, and I'll get to that in a second as to why. But uh, the, the estimates that we're hearing being floated around from organizations like the Parliamentary Budget Officer yeah. is somewhere in the neighborhood of $250 billion or north of that, which is just unprecedented. It's um, like to put that in perspective. The massive deficit budget that Trudeau was campaigning on in 2015 was $10 billion. And right we haven't been in a particularly good financial position going into this. So there's a lot of discussion about our, you know, our debt servicing, uh, our net debt to GDP, household debt. And the reason why we want to have that inf- this information is, I mean, for anybody who's run a business or even just, you know, running a household, if you're looking for a loan from someone or if we're looking to borrow money, you know, the lender wants to know your capacity to be able to pay it back. Mm-hmm. And without that financial, that fiscal update or a budget being tabled, I, I mean, just to remind everyone, we don't ha- we didn't have a federal budget tabled this year. It's diff- like we're, we're now worried about the rates that we're getting for lending because we're, we're not showing this information to, to people that we uh, or, or, or countries that we might be seeking to borrow from. So it's, it's a huge concern. Uh, I know it's one uh it, it, it's just I'm struggling to find words because of the level of angst that's causing me. Um, but one thing is clear, what we are doing right now with these uh, programs, the, the wage subsidy, the CERB, um, these bailouts, they are not sustainable. Like th- this cannot be going on. Every month that we do this, we go farther and farther into a hole that um, I'm not sure we can recover from. And also monetary policy. I mean, like we're printing a lot of money right now, right, as a country. And that affects things. So um, it's a big problem, but we need to start with that information first. Michelle, let's let's use that number of a quarter of a trillion dollars that we're in debt. 
Um, from your experience through the years you've been in your role, what are some of the tools that government can do to pay down this debt? Because the fear that we hear from our clients, listeners of this show, is that they're going to go after the, the individuals who've got most of the wealth, which are the retirees. So look at it as anybody over the age of 55 plus. Um, and I keep on saying, well, it's my unborn grandchildren who are going to end up paying for this. So what are the tools and what do you think could happen uh, given your experience in, in your role? It's going to be a tough conversation um, because there's only two ways to balance the budget, right? It's you either increase your revenue or you, um, you, you, you decrease your expenditures. So the, the problem is, is that the government has been steadily increasing operational expenditures or the size of government for, for the last five years. And we haven't been in a, balance, a budget situation since uh, prior to the election in 2015. So we were always, already in a situation where we were spending far beyond our means and now I mean, it, it's going to be very difficult. The other thing is, uh, in terms of bringing in revenue, we don't know what the economy looks like, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, we, we don't know what this means for airlines, for commercial real estate, for, for bricks-and-mortar retail, for uh, the education sector, the oil, the oil and gas industry. All of those are big question marks in terms of who is going to survive coming out of this. And then, again, what how those traditional sources of, of revenue for the government are going to be, if they're going to be available or not. So um, I think the government has to quickly have a plan to um, ask this question. What are the essential services Canadians need? How do we prioritize those? And then if we're spending money on things that, we, that, that aren't must-haves, uh, we we have to start addressing that issue pretty quickly. Um, and I think, you know, what, what worries me is I'm seeing a lot of articles and trial balloons in the last couple of weeks suggesting that some of these benefits, like the CERB, mm -hmm. that they be ported into more um, permanent, permanent, yep. yeah. permanent programs. And I don't know how we pay for that. So I don't know. There's one thing that wasn't mentioned so far is selling assets. You can increase revenue, sure. decrease expense, or sell assets. Other countries around the world who've gone through fiscal problems have sold their nation's assets. Is that one thing that could happen? Is that something the conservatives are willing to look at? Well, you know, I would put that under uh, raising revenues, right, or increasing revenues. I, I think that the, the first thing that's prudent to do is say, what are we spending money on? If you're in a you know, if you're in a hole with your credit card, the first thing any credit advisor will, will tell you to do is, what are you spending your money on? Yeah. Okay, is there stuff that you shouldn't be spending your money on right now? And we, we haven't come to that point as a country yet. All we've done is say, let's spend money. Uh, to the point where I think spending money just has become a metric for, you know, government success. And I think we need to go back to the basics on that first. I, I, I am worried right now about... Um, what our country looks like, you know, for, you're talking about grandchildren. What does mm -hmm. it look like in 20 years? And, you know, selling assets or even just looking in the private sector, um, allowing uh, fire sale assets of some of our strategic industries and the, our companies and strategic industries across the country, that's highly problematic uh, for future sovereignty and future economic growth. So um, I, I just feel this deep sense of necessity for for Parliament to be undertaking these questions in a more serious way than it has in the last 30 years. We, we really need to have a think about who we are as a country and what our priorities are for government and the public. I mean, anyone listening to this, 
needs to not assume that government is ubiquitous and that they don't have a say. People have to tell the government what they want. And uh, otherwise, we're just going to get continued with, with, with the Liberal government that's functioning as a majority uh, with the NDP and the bloc. We're, we're just going to see uh, increased deficits. I also think that it's possible that we can be in an election sooner than later. We're seeing um, more articles speculating on that uh, because I think that the, the, the financial situation can be pretty bad news. Um, come next spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, Michelle, let me... Uh, let me these are questions that people have to be focused on. Yeah, let me, let me run down that rabbit hole a little bit more about the about the assets. I mean, uh, Canada's sure. got, a, got a double whammy going on. It's not just a, a coronavirus issue. It's an oil shock. And although maybe most of Canada doesn't believe it's a Canadian issue, it is, and it's certainly an Alberta issue. Um, what's, you know, what's, the, what's your position, the party's position, on what the Liberals have done uh, to support... Uh, you know, the resource industry, particularly fossil fuels and oil and gas, has it been enough and is there more to come? Where, where do you guys stand on this? Well, I think the, you, you can't use the words uh, liberal government and support or the phrase support the energy sector in the same sentence. You just can't. I mean, we've seen five years of structural policy change to make it harder to invest in the energy sector and to curtail the growth of the sector in Canada writ large. That is just as fact. Bill C-69, C-48 has it created investment uncertainty and, uh, you know, the, the stymieing of the, the, the build-out of pipelines has also uh, ensured that that delta between the price that we get for Canadian energy and the world price uh, continues to be large. So we were in a very bad structural place going into this. Now, with the decrease in demand for energy, which I do think is going to be temporary, but with the Saudi-Russian price war as well, um, we, we're in an even worse situation with the supply glut. So no, the, the Liberal government has done nothing to support the energy sector. It's been the opposite. Um, my understanding of this program that they're offering for um, large business bailout, uh, you know, the, the quiet murmurings among the patch is that nobody's going to be uh, eligible for this, uh, that the government, because the government is directly selecting recipients through the Ministry yeah. of Industry, mm-hmm. um, that they won't be selected. And uh, the orphan well announcement it was a joke in terms of uh, dealing with the crisis that we're in right now. So, you know, partisan words, but I, I don't think that there anything that anybody in Alberta would disagree with in terms of the reality of the situation. We got to leave it on that sour note. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, yeah. Probably haven't said anything that most uh, Albertans are feeling right now. Michelle, thank you for joining us again. We appreciate you taking some time with us. Thanks for having me. been joined by Michelle Rumpel-Garner. She's a member of Parliament, PC, uh, Calgary Nose Hill. Okay, my friend, we've got to figure out what, you know, people are going to be retired for 20, 30 years, so we've got a long way to go, and people have to get through that period of time and fund that lifestyle they want, and we have to talk about that. Yeah, it's a rebuild of the economy at somewhere where we don't even know what's going to happen. So how do you structure your portfolio? Yeah. How do you make sure you have cash flow and income? How do you reduce taxes when we anticipate taxes going up? Mm -hmm. These are all big issues, and we're going to address that on Tuesday, June 16th, 7 p.m., live online for our webinar. Now, you have to register, so go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Stick around after the break for the most common question that Faisal and I have been asked over the past week. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back here with Dave and Faisal on 770-CHQR and more than money. Uh, that number's big, the debt. Uh, it's growing. Yeah. I don't th- know I where think, it's going to be. I think be. it's a low ball. Yeah. I think it's a low. I don't think we're done yet. Well, I was reading this morning before the show the parliamentary budget office's 
forecast. Yes. And Michelle referred to that $250 billion. But it's weeks old. A lot happens in weeks these days. And there's still more to come. That's, that's my point. That's, that's what we're not talking about that yet. Like, right. yes, we're trying to just prevent a depression. And those are the fiscal policies, never mind monetary. Yeah. So <laughs> there's more to come. So this, I, I would not be surprised if we see the $1 trillion mark in Canada. Are you talking combined or are you talking combined. fiscal? Yeah. Combined. Well, I think we'd be getting close to that now, my friend. I, I, but with the liquidity the, the Bank of Canada has provided, it's probably a half a trillion dollars right there. Yeah, right? so they've I, committed I, to that. I, I don't know if they've, they've deployed it all. Correct. Right? So I, I can see $1 trillion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think your number is... Uh, unfortunately achievable. So how do you pay for all that? Right. Especially when we, we're not the reserve currency of the world. Right. You know, the demand for Canadian dollars is not globally accepted as the currency to go after. Right. Now, Canada has approached it a little bit differently than the U.S. as an example, uh, in the sense that the U.S. has given a lot of money away. It's forgivable, done. Canada's a lot of deferral stuff. Yeah. Right? Now, we'll see if that works, right? So if you had deferral on paying taxes or interest rate deferrals and so on and so forth and you get to that point where you now you can't pay it six months from now yeah right to your point there might have to be more done here or forgiven or whatever the case may be which turns into a debt payment. that's correct that turns into a debt payment mm-hmm. so uh yes it's academically very interesting scary for yep. lots of people right and uncertainty will create volatility okay i would love for our governments just to tell us this is what we expect to happen right. and, and and really gross it up Mm-hmm. Like really overestimate that this could be the worst case scenario. And here's the three things we're going to do to help pay this thing down. Right. Just do that to keep me quiet so I know what I'm dealing with versus I have no idea. Or I'm not going to answer the question of how much debt that we have or anything like that. That was just You can't avoid, yeah. Avoiding the questions, bad form in all cases, right? Correct. You just want some level of transparency. You can say, I think it's acceptable to say, listen, this is an evolving situation. Yeah. Right. This is what we anticipate, and they have said, you know, if we have to, we'll continue to do more. But avoiding the question altogether, yeah, yeah, that, bad form. They talk more about wearing masks than they do about yeah. about how they're going to handle the financial situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. Um, so, so let me ask you this. Yeah. During the week, mm-hmm. um, you've been talking to clients sure. of ours. You've been you've been having that that dialogue. Um, last week, when we talked about this, there was a whole bunch of questions. What kind of questions are they asking you this week? It's a big, fat void of questions <laughs> right now. That's what's interesting to me because, you know, we often think about what, what was the commonality or the common theme amongst the conversations we had through the course of the week, and there wasn't, there wasn't anything new. There, yeah. there, there weren't even a lot of questions, right? It yeah. was um, people have – we're at that weird inflection point, I think, Faisal, where we're – you know, people have – the shock is gone. Yep. We most most people I think accept this is gonna be with us for a while. Yep. Right? They understand we're slowly opening. Yeah. But we're we're marching forward, not backwards. Yeah. And right? I think our growth bucket and the performance being in positive territory year to date yep. has a lot to do with that too. Oh for sure. And I think um when when individuals see that their portfolio is not down but the markets are down year to date, that gives them a sense of comfort in mm-hmm. the growth side. Mm-hmm. Income has no problem whatsoever. Um I think that's been part of the the big benefit for for this, uh, because if it was down, you know, double digits like the uh, markets are, yep. um, it'd be a different be a, conversation. I think. Yeah, you're right. The fear would still be there. It's, like yeah. right now, they're wondering where are we headed to. Right. And if your portfolio is down and where we're headed to, that's even more concern. Right. When your portfolio is positive, and you don't know where you're headed to, you kind of have a bit more comfort. 
Yeah, it, it, it does take some of the uncertainty that way. That's a, that's a fair comment. But it was the absence of, of really, and it, no, I'm fine. You know, yeah, yeah. No, things are good, right? I'm just doing, the conversation was more around what they were doing personally. Yeah. Right? And I mean, that's good. Probably, uh, you know, for many of the reasons you just talked about. Yeah. Some of it is we've adapted, right, yeah. to, the, to the new normal that we're at, right? Um, but that was the takeaway for me for the week. Right. So I was on a webinar that I was uh, a guest speaker on. Yeah. Um, let's call it a thousand to fifteen hundred people across the country yep. attended this webinar, um, and the moderator had multiple questions sent to her, saying, "How do I structure myself uh, yeah. going forward?" So these are not our clients. Right. These are just the general public, and yep. it's it's always nice to get a gauge of what the general public concerns are. Um, and so in there was, how do I structure and get ready for retirement? Mm-hmm. These are 45 to 55-year-olds, 60-year-olds saying, you know, I'm getting close. Right. It's coming. So how do I structure? And so it's amazing to me how many people who... A, feel that they can do everything on their own. And so when I went through, and that was one were of the- these a, were, there, were there a bunch of do-it-yourself investors? And I don't know the makeup of the audience. I was just Sense speaking- from the questions? From the questions, okay. you can kind of get, get yep. the gauge of right. that there are people that are trying to do everything themselves. Okay. And yep. so when, they, when, when the question was posed to me of how do you structure it, mm-hmm. the question was really talking about the investment portfolio. Right. But they were saying, how do I structure my, myself for retirement? And they were referring to the portfolio. Okay. And I kind of went a bit more broader first and then narrowed it down to the portfolio. Right. And I said, when you choose to be your own chief financial officer of your family, yep. you first have to do the retirement plan. Right. The financial calculation to determine where you are today, where you want to be when you retire, how much cash flow you need, yep. and what is it going to look like using a conservative rate of return in your analysis. Right. So that's number one. So you have to do that if you're going to be your own chief financial officer of your family. Then you have to understand the tax rules. Because as you withdraw through retirement, each pool of money, registered money, tax-free, non-registered, Corporate money all have different tax treatments. Okay, so now you got to be you've got to be a tax accountant too. You got to have you got to have either you got to pay somebody to do that, right? Or you got to know the process. Yep. Okay, so that's number two. Number three is you need to be an economist as well and forecast the future of the economy and give your probabilities to everything. And I kept on focusing on best case scenarios, worst case scenarios, and what's your base case given the data that you have. And then it went down to how are you going to manage the portfolio to reach those goals? So now you're a chief investment officer. Now you're also being in charge of your your investments. Now, I can tell you that there there are Canadians who will you know, do their own investment portfolio, but then go to an accountant to get their taxes done, yep. but not have a conversation about tax planning and withdrawal strategy. Right. Or they will get their legal work done with a lawyer, but not have a, co- a collaborative approach with how does it work with tax? How does it work with my portfolio? Right. Meaning do- if there's a transition of assets, correct? how is that going to be done most effectively? Right. Correct. Right. And so when you take on that responsibility of doing all of that, the moderator came back to me and said, wow, I never knew it was so much to do to take care of your retirement. And I said, well, what will be the alternative? Just take care of your investments, cross your fingers, and hope everything works out? Right. Do you want to put your retirement at the viewpoint of hope? 
Yeah. yeah. Why? Why not put high probabilities on your side? So I think you, you, you did that group of people a tremendous service. Um, if, you, if you walked through it like that, um, you know, here are the different expertises. That's a word. Um, it is now. It is now. Okay. Uh, required yeah. in order to get a full retirement plan done, right? It's not just a financial plan. It's not just an investment portfolio. It's not just preparing and filing your tax returns. It's not just having a will written up. It's the interconnection between all of those things and that overriding strategy. And we didn't even talk about health. Yeah. Like the <laughs> health issue. And anybody in Calgary knows mm. that you're now going to be more picky of what kind of long-term care facility you want. Yep. Everybody in Calgary will now know that maybe you want some kind of different quality of care. And so how are you going to pay for that? Yeah. Well, everybody across Canada, not just Calgary. Right. Everybody across Canada is clear on this point. Right? For sure. Yep. For sure. So these are the things that, you know, it, it's a bigger picture. You can do it all yep. if you have the skill and the will to do it. Yep. And so it's possible... I just think there's not too many Canadians who either have the skill and the will to do it. Well, yeah, just do an assessment, right? I mean, think critically through that. Yeah. And, and the fear, right, the fear of retirement comes from the uncertainty. Correct. Right? And so, if listen, if you do that and you don't have the skills to do the job, then hire somebody. Yeah. Right? That's why people had jobs because they had an expertise, right, to provide a, a, a service. A service. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's wrap it up. All uh, right. What about the seminar? Yeah, we're going to be doing the same thing, talk about the entire process on Tuesday, June 16th, 7 p.m., live online. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Okay, thanks for tuning in to another edition. Oh, that was a great show this week. We look forward to speaking with you next week here on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.